0: This is the second of a three-video series by Nick Schroeder, a suburban high school coach at Lincoln Way Central High School in the south suburbs of Chicagoland. Uh, Nick did a great job with this series. He drove down in the winter of 22 to the studios in Champaign to shoot this. and just I really like this special teams checklist because it goes special team by special team in all the special situations you need to make sure that you're covering. Uh, the things that come up, right, the, 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 and having a checklist for these that, that you're no, you know you and your team are going to have practiced these. You want to see this or anything else we've produced, check us out at clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Thanks, coaches, for taking the time to take a look at this with me. Uh, You see on screen here I have a special teams checklist. Uh, If you haven't been in on the other conversations yet, uh, my name is Nick Schroeder, and I currently work as the defensive coordinator at Lincoln Way Central in New Lenox, Illinois. Uh, Prior to that, I served as our special teams coordinator and then was fortunate enough to be a special teams coordinator at St. Ambrose University back in 2015 as well. So I wanted to share with you, uh, again, I've I've had a few other talks today um, just on special teams in general and then a little bit more about shield punt. Uh, But one of the things I talked about in my general conversation was just being organized on specials. You know, uh, I won't go into everything that I talked about earlier, but you know, I'm a big believer in having a special teams coordinator. One person that's kind of the common voice, uh, and takes pride in it versus kind of farming it out to everybody. Um, so as somebody that's been that special teams coordinator, I think it's your job to be organized. Okay. And it should be your job to be organized as a coach. Anyways, I get that, but what's unique, a lot of places about special teams is you're working with both sides of the ball and you're working with both coaching staff. So if you're at a bigger school where you folks have, uh, uh, you know, uh, truly just an offense and truly just a defense. Uh, you're coordinating those interactions, you know, and that's what I what I've always said is that as a coordinator, I coordinate interactions between people in order to put us in the best situations possible. One of the ways I was able to do that is through this special teams checklist. So, basically, what I have here is an organizational organizational tool. This is something that that's changed based on where I've been. Uh, this one, it's funny, this one uh, is, is from Lincoln Way versus I compared it to when I was at St. Ambrose. And at St. Ambrose, college football, it was a little more robust. Nothing nothing overly great, uh, greatly different, I should say. Because uh, if you've been around, hopefully one of the things you've taken away is I believe in keeping special teams pretty simple, and that's what allows you to get good at them. So what I have up at the top is basically those were our calls. Um, so if you'll notice, uh, if you've been been listening, guys, we really only had – on, a, on our base stuff, we really only had two punt calls. We were either going to be a black call or a white call. Our kick return, we were either going to be a middle turn or a cross return, and that only changed two people. So up at the top, you don't see a lot of different items on there. What I really wanted to talk about and hopefully uh, help coaches gain some knowledge on, especially if you're a young coordinator, um, is, is to talk about these situations at the bottom. These are things I believe you have to practice and it is so important that you practice them prior to them coming up in games. Again, I've done some other special teams talks today, and one of the things I say, it's actually on the first page of my playbook, is the quote, it's not important until it's important. Okay, and What does that mean? I'm going to go to this kickoff team here, Okay, and I'm going to read through these situations. Some I have highlighted because they're the ones I really want to talk about, uh, but I'll expand on some of these. But let's just jump down right away in the kickoff team column here. The odd situation of holding the ball, you're going to get into a game where it is windy out, and you're gonna have to have a player hold the ball, okay? That is such a unique situation. Your kickers hate that. They're not used to that. So you as a coach need to make sure you do that in practice well before you ever do that in a game. And that is your job. That's your job to coordinate interactions, right? It's your job to make sure you're scripting this stuff. That's one of the things I'm a big believer in. You script your offense, you script your, your defense, you script your practice plan. You should script your special teams as well. If anybody wants to reach out, I have examples of of, uh, of what a special team script looks like that I've used. right? And it's awesome because as time goes on, right? you might have more time. Well, let's say you script six plays for your punt unit, let's say, uh, and you have more time. You can just go back up, hey, coaches, I want to go hit number three again. And again, you're coordinating events. You're getting all coaches back on to that. You're going to run the situation of number three again, right? And it tells your scout guy what card to put out there. Um, Also, there's times you're running behind the specials. So you might have to cut. Hey, coaches, we're cutting play three. We're skipping to play four right now. So again, script that stuff. Well, you need to script a situation in practice prior to it ever happening in a game where you have your player hold a ball. You figure out what that looks like, coaches. Uh, If you have a guy that runs down a little bit slower than others, maybe he's the guy that holds the ball. Maybe you want the most skilled guy. Maybe you want a ball handling type guy to be the guy that holds the ball for your kicker. It doesn't matter to me who you decide. What matters to me and what I really wanna advocate is that you do that in practice before you ever do that in a game, okay? So again, these are all special situations That I wanted to make sure guys know about before they ever have to do them in a game. So, kicking off after a safety. That's not a huge one, but it does bring up a couple points. So, number one, it obviously changes your yard lines. And young men, right? 17 year old guys tend to freak out when things are different, okay? Uh, They don't watch enough football. We probably complain about that as coaches all the time. So, if you end up, if there's a safety, right, it's not an ideal situation. I get that, but. It's your job to prepare for things that aren't always ideal. So if you have to kick off after a safety, man, you need to talk about that in practice and what it looks like. You need to decide, are you going to kick it off or are you going to punt it? You need to do that in practice before it ever comes up in a game. Uh, The other thing that I talked about earlier, you could have a kicker when the ball's kicked off in the normal location, let's say it's high school and he's kicking from the 40, you could have a kicker that it's a touchback every single time. Now all of a sudden after a safety, you back him up, it's not a it's not a touchback anymore. Now he's got to kick the ball 80 yards, okay? He's probably not able to do that. So that's why you want to practice these things first before they ever come up in a game. Obviously, a squib kick, that's a situation, again, where if you have a guy who kicks it deep all the time, right, you might want to go ahead and work in those squib kicks. Now you're saying, Coach, you don't have sky kicks on here. We use a lot of sky kicks. Well, actually, I have it up at the top because it's something that we did a lot. We didn't squib kick a ton. We squib kick kind of right like right before halftime end the game type stuff, okay? So we found Squib as more of a special situation or a situ, you know, situational special teams um, than we did every day. We found Sky to be more of something we were gonna work on every day, not not occasionally. So what I would do is I would have this checklist, and as I scripted these things in the season, I would just ha- have a hard copy up in my office where I would put a check mark that, hey, we got to these, right? Or you could do it through your computer program by highlighting it or putting a line through it on your computer. There's some things you wanted to get to multiple times, and there's other things that, hey, as long as we did them once, maybe we felt comfortable with that, okay? But squib kicks, uh, if you're not going to squib kick a lot, I bet you have to squib kick sometime make sure that you get that get that in. On side, same exact situation. Uh, hey, you're going to have to use an on side at some point. Um, we were a little bit more of a surprise onside team. So again, if you scroll back up there, okay, we did that more often. Uh, But yeah, we knew near the end of the game we might have to run true onside out there. So I wanted to make sure that that was on my list to to go over. And then again, I've already talked about holding the football. I won't talk more about that. Uh, But again, holding the ball, that's going to change your coverage situation. So you need to make sure you're doing that in practice before you ever do it in a game. Sadly, I've been places where it never has gotten done until until it came up in a game. And it's like, man, that's on us as coaches. What are we doing, okay? Kick return special situations. You better have your guys practicing sky kicks. Again, I'm a big believer in sky kicks, and I know other coaches are too. So make sure that, hey, um, everyone wants to get a kick return for a touchdown, I understand that. So a lot of times you are kicking the ball deep, right? Because you want to see your how you're blocking times up and all that good stuff but you're going to face teams that do some of these things that I have listed. So make sure your return team has practice at fielding sky kicks. This could even be during an individual period. After you get your uh, get your main stuff installed as the season, right. you start to see more sky kicks as the weather gets a little colder and it gets a little windier. So hey, maybe you take a, a late September practice and instead of going five minutes of blocking with those ends and fullbacks, you do some sky kicks with those guys and then you bring it all together. Uh, Always be prepared for a surprise onside, right? Make sure whoever you have in the middle of the football field, right? Uh, I was in a system where we did four guys in the front line, but a lot of people do five guys. Make sure that fifth guy, that that center, isn't directly in front of the football, otherwise you're really gonna increase your chance of surprise onside. Also make sure that your front line isn't leaving early or you're gonna increase your chance of surprise onside. But even if you don't have a guy in front of the football, and even if your guys don't leave early, some teams are just going to surprise it on you. Okay, so what do I mean by this? I I don't mean an onside at the end of the game when everyone in the stadium knows it's going to be an onside. Okay, I mean I mean a uh, you know middle of the third quarter onside in a tight game. That's what I'm talking about by surprise. Obviously, skib, uh, squib kicks. Excuse me. We know what those are. Uh, but make sure that your team is is practicing those as a return team before you ever get into a game and have to field one because um, it, it changes things up. That thing's bouncing around. Your timing is different. Uh, your front line might have to hold those blocks a little bit longer if you were to never practice this. Uh, and that's probably not gonna be good in a game if they have to hold blocks longer. They're either going not gonna do it or they're gonna get holding calls. So make sure you're going over that beforehand. I know I talked about a kickoff after a safety. I think it is more important to practice, and and you gotta do them both, but to practice your kick return after a safety. That is really where the yard lines start to get different. Typically as a kickoff unit, yeah, you're just moving everybody back, but you're all still back at like the same level, okay? Versus your kick return team, it's probably staggered, right? You probably have a front line, then a line of ends. Then depends on what you have on the back end. So you might have four different levels of people. If you don't have them on the same page after a safety or after a penalty, okay, penalties aren't on here, but they should be as well. Um, you you have to, you have to practice that stuff. Or a guy is going to run out there and he's going to run up, line up in the same expo, same exact spot he always does, and all of a sudden your fullback is back there next to your returner. Okay, because he hasn't practiced this in a game or in a practice before a game, excuse me. So make sure that you're doing that stuff. Uh, obviously, different hand situations. Everyone knows they need need to practice hands, but what are the different ones? I've used a nine-up look, which is where, hey, hey, maybe there's about four or five minutes left. You think they might onside, but you're not exactly sure. So that we call that a nine-up. We're going to have nine guys prepared for onside. We're going to have one deep returner, and then we're going to have kind of one middle return guy in case they try, like, something weird, a sky or something. That's what a nine-up is versus, hey, the last ten, uh, excuse me, the last two minutes, we know they're on and We call that a ten-up, right? Uh, we're going to have ten guys ready for that onside. But make sure you're practicing both. This next one is the most incredible name in football, right? Uh, Stanford Cal. You gotta practice, the band is on the field. Uh, What do I mean by that? What is your last play of the game? We are on kick return, they just scored. We are on kick return. We have to return this to the end zone to win the game. What does that play look like for you? I don't have the answers as far as what it looks like for you guys, right? But I know that you and your coaching staff need to have an answer for that. You can't expect that to be a successful play If the first time that ever even gets mentioned is in between, right, just giving up a touchdown at the end of a game and running your kick return unit out there, you have to have a plan in place for that. And I always liked that one. I stole that name from a good friend of mine, John Canova. Uh, We used to just call it the last play of the game, Uh, but but he knew a guy that called it the band is on the field, so I would start running around yelling that the band is on the field. Players like it, right, as a special teams coordinator. Uh, they feed off your energy, and it's good to get those guys laughing. Uh, but as much as the name of it's kind of kind of funny, the situation isn't. You just gave up a touchdown. You are no longer winning the game. You have to score on that kick return in order to win the game or at least put yourself in a situation, right? So so what does it look like? Are, are, are there a lot of laterals involved in this? Are you throwing the ball across the field? I, I I don't know what it is for you guys, but I know you need to have a plan, and I know you need to practice it. I mentioned this in my earlier conversation about general special teams thoughts, and you see I have it listed several places here. Uh, this was taken from Coach Hendrickson. I worked with his son, Myers, but Coach Hendrickson was a – Mark Hendrickson was a longtime special teams guy, uh, college football, a lot of places. Okay, uh, He taught us about wet hand drills. you got to have drills where before a game you get your players' hands wet and or the ball wet. So you always keep a couple of junk footballs around. They're the ones that like might not be able to hold air for a couple of days, but they can hold air within a, within a two hour practice. Uh, so you don't really care if they get a little bit of water on them or whatever. Maybe they're balls that accidentally got left out and they already have some water damage. Keep those things around and get yourself a bucket too. Uh, And then on those wet hands days, you've got that bucket of water there. You've got those junk ball there. uh, You're having guys dip their hands in that bucket. They gotta dry them just like a game, right? Maybe you have a towel if you're a nice coach uh, and they they can do that because they could have access to a towel in a game, uh, but maybe they don't. Maybe there's a time you wanna have them wiping wiping their hands off on their jersey. You wanna get that long snapper snapping that little extra heavier wet ball, okay? You have to put your team in those situations before it's a game, okay? Remember, it's not important until it's important. So it's your job as the coordinator. It's important for you to put them in those. Jumping over to the punt team, okay? And again, I just did a a talk on shield punt. So I won't spend a ton of time on all these, all right? But you have to have an answer for tight punt. What do I mean by that? You're backed up, okay? You think this ball is is on basically your, you know, your negative five almost into the end zone, okay? To where you think that the other team is really going to come after it. Uh, Or another part of this is maybe you don't think they're going to come after it. Maybe they're still too deep and they're a return team. That's fine. But your kicker, your punter, is no longer 15 yards deep. All of a sudden, your punter, his feet can only be 12 yards, right? This changes some things for you. So you have to practice that tight or that backed-up situation. We've always called it tight, uh, but backed-up would be another term for that. Rat. This is something that I talked about. This would be you decide you want to take a safety. Um, again, I, in the shield punt conversation, I talked a lot more about this. If it were me, uh, I, I've seen it done both ways. There are some coaches who will never, ever purposely take a safety, and that's fine. That's their decision. And, again, this is a head coach decision, not a coordinator. Okay, um, But there are other coaches that decide, hey, we do want to take a safety here. It, it, it puts us in better odds to give up two than get one blocked. Or to snap the, you know, have a bad snap and we snap it out of the end zone and it ends up in a safety anyways and time hasn't even ran off the clock. All right. So for me, if I were ever to take a safety, I would just use my offense. uh, And I talked more about that. But some teams would rather have their punt team out there. So you need to practice it. Practice pinning them. Uh, I was fortunate enough to talk in the last conversation that. We, out of 32 punts in 2019, that was the last year I did specials at Lincoln Way, uh, in 32 punts, we pinned the team the negative three once, the negative two once, the negative one yard line two times. So we pinned them within the negative three four times out of 32 punts. That is one out of every eight punts. That is pretty incredible. Part of the reason why we were able to do that is we practiced it. Pinning a team isn't just your snapper and your and your punter, okay? Yeah, your punter's gotta get it there, there's no doubt about that, but you better have great coverage with it, okay? You, you could punt it down to the negative three yard line and the guy returns it. So you have to, ac- ac- accompany. It, it, it takes 11 dudes to do that. So again, make sure that you're doing those things uh, and you're running those drills, whatever they look like, you're running those in practices if you want it to carry over to a game. Fakes. Whatever they are for you, make sure you're running those fakes. That one's pretty obvious. I've always been a believer in, hey, have one run, have one pass. I talked a little bit more about it earlier. Maybe your answer is you only want to have one total. That's a little bit more a little bit more general. You can use it against any situation. I think that's fine. A couple things. I don't think you need a lot of fakes because you're never going to use them, all of them. At that point, you're just going to waste time. Um, but if you do have them, make sure you use them. And make sure you don't just use them in obvious situations. Probably the worst thing you can do when when everyone in the stands knows you're going to fake it because where you're at on the field. So have those fakes and, and man, might have to get outside of the box on one to call them. Make sure you guys know about covering a fair catch. This is stuff that I talked about in my last conversation, all right? We always go over in our playbook, we go over the rules with our players. So let them know what a fair catch is how it's signaled, what it looks like, what it means, okay? And then talk about how do you really wanna do this? Tyler Staker at Coe College had a great theory on this. He used to talk about whenever a player sees that hand go up for a fair catch, guys typically slow down, okay? Because they don't wanna go run into that guy and that's fine. Uh, Coach Staker at Coe had a great theory. We used to, this was a signal for you want to speed up, okay? Especially when that ball's down by the negative 10 or that returner's down by the negative 10 because that's where they try to fake you out too, right? They're gonna fake like it's a fair catch, let the ball hit behind them and hopefully roll in for a touchback. So talk about those with your players. You see the fair catch signal, how do you want them to react? Blocked kicks, you're gonna see this on here several times, okay? I think too often a blocked kick just becomes like, lack of a better term, scramble drill. I don't think anybody really knows what to do after a block kick unless you tell them. Again, we talk about it as coaches all the time. Your players don't watch enough football, right? That's one of our complaints. Ah, oh, back in the day we always played played with our buddies and we watched football and nobody does anymore, okay? So if you're saying that they don't know these situations, then you got to talk about them. you got to make them react even, not just talk about them. So what happens if you punt the ball, it gets blocked and stays behind the line of scrimmage? You can advance that as a punt team. You can still pick up a first down. So put your team in that situation, okay? Um, If you have one that goes across the line of scrimmage, what does that look like? You no longer can, you need to down it, and then just talk about downing the football in general. How many teams has a punt team just barely touched it, right, and then now that punt return team has kind of a free play there. So talk to your team about picking up the football, handing it to the official. Okay. This next one I think is huge. Not too many teams go over this one. And we called this at Ambrose, we called it clock it. And basically everything was normal. Everything. We still made a black or a white call depending on the situation. Every single thing was normal, except our snapper didn't even put his hands on the football until the clock said 10 seconds on it. Okay. So when you use this, you use this late in the game, You're trying to milk that clock as much as possible. You know you're punting the ball, okay? It's a tight game. You're winning. You know you're going to punt. It's not like you're taking time to think about the decision. So you call your punt team out there right away. They get out there early. The guy could put his hands on the ball with 24 seconds left and snap it, all right? And then you just wasted precious time. There's precious time you could have taken off the clock, but you didn't because you never practiced it. Now, why do you need to practice it? because your guys are now standing out there for a longer period of time than they ever have, and they start to get weirded out, right? Typically what happens, you run your punt team out there, your shield guy makes his calls, give the cadence, and you go. Well, if there's 15 seconds of silence, you're gonna have players that aren't used to that. So now all of a sudden your frontline guys, they're looking around, they're trying to see if that shield guy's still even there, and you're gonna be in a bad situation. So we practice clock it, hey, we're gonna get out there. Everyone's gonna stand around. You know, we're, 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 everything else we can do the same. Get lined up, know who you're gonna block. But then, we don't even really start operating until that clock says 10 seconds. Okay, pooch. I'm a big believer in uh, pooch kicking, and obviously that's through your offense. But again, that's stuff that you uh, uh, that's stuff that you want to make sure. Again, that's those weird situations that you're getting to. Some teams they always pooch punt. Some teams they're only going to do it occasionally, right? Um, that's 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 up to you guys to decide. But if you're a team that always does it, only does it occasionally, make sure you practice it. And that's when you probably want to practice a couple times. Some of these other things, I don't know that you have to practice them three times in a season, right? But uh, if you're going to occasionally pooch punt, that's that's probably worth it. And again, your wet hand drills, even for your punt team, snapping a ball with wet hands, snapping a wet ball. Uh, kicking a waterlogged ball, right? Things you want to do before you ever ever need to in a game. All right, now talking about a little bit about pump return stuff. So, what are some special situations here? What about when you get the other team backed up? Okay, first off, as a coaching staff, you have to think about what is your persona going to be when you have them up against the ropes. Uh, again, I talked earlier. I think you need to carry both a block and a return. I don't think you're going to be great at both. I think you need to figure out which one you really are, but you have to have the ability for both. And then what are you going to call in a backed-up situation, right? Some people think, hey, you got them backed up. Go get the block. Okay, that makes sense to me. Other people say, hey, you already have a good situation. Let's get a return. Let's get some more. That works too. Whatever works for you. But I know that you need to have a plan for it as a coach, okay? Uh, And you have to talk to your players about when you have them backed up. You, for lack of a better term, the old quote, you got him against the ropes, right? And you have to talk about what roughing the punter is and how detrimental that could be to you. So that's why you see roughing in parentheses there, just because, man, that was something we have to talk about with our players. We can't have the first time we talk about roughing the punter be after we do it in a game, right? It's not important until it's important. Well, if the first time you talk about roughing the punter is when you're chewing the guy out because he just did it in a game, that's on you as a coaching staff. You have to talk about it prior. Talk about your poison call. What does that mean? Okay. What does that look like? So many times I see poison calls, and then I don't know. You get a 13, or not 13, but you get a get a 15 year old guy out there doing his own thing, and it just man, the ball almost hits him and stuff. So talk about your poison call. Talk about what you expect that to look like. Again, the first time you do it can't be in a game. I've always liked Poison. I've heard other terms like Peter and stuff. Just kind of a kind of a small comment here. What, what about the year you have a player named Peter? So if you start yelling Peter, like does that dude think you're talking to him or what? I don't know that you'll ever have a player called Poison. So I've always used Poison as my term uh, versus Peter. Again, talk, talk to your staff about what works for you. Uh, just like punt, what are the situations on a, on a punt that is blocked, even as the return team now. Okay, If you block it and it stays behind the line of scrimmage, what do you want that to look like? If you block it and it goes across the line of scrimmage, what do you want it to look like? Talk to your team. If you block it and it stays behind, they can still advance it, so you gotta play football. If you block it and it goes past the line of scrimmage, maybe that becomes a poison call for you. All right. Again, you figure out what you want them to look like, but I'm telling you, you gotta communicate that stuff to players before it ever happens in a game. So we would do a a drill where we would have our team lined up, we would have a, a scout punt, and we would have our punt return team. I actually had the ball personally near the line of scrimmage, and I would just throw it one way or the other. I would throw it behind the line of scrimmage. I just wanted to see how they reacted. I would throw it on the other side of the line of scrimmage just to see how they reacted, okay? Sometimes you can't just talk about this stuff. You have to find creative ways to drill it. Did we do that for for 15 minutes? No, but we certainly did it for two to three reps before we ever played a game. These next two, I think are again, these ones highlighted are ones that I think get forgot about, okay? So I wanna talk about these. Everyone knows about safe punt return, right? Uh, This is when you think they might fake it. So to me, our safe has always been our defense. We really think a fake could happen here, so we want our defense out there. Let's say you're a team that does a lot of subbing for punt return. So your punt return might have a running back or some receivers out there, right? Eh, That's that's, that's a little bit different here. So your safe is your defense, but you're going to put a returner out there just in case, all right? If, you, if if they don't change, if it's fourth down and they still have their offense out there, you're obviously keeping your defense out there, right? But what if they change, right? So it, it's, it is their punt team, but you still think it's possibility of fake. That's when you're going to call safe. You're going to keep your defense out there, but at least have a return man in case they do punt it. What do you talk to that return man about? You have absolutely zero blocking. Make sure you catch the ball. Rules one through five are catch the ball, catch the ball, catch the ball, catch the ball, and catch the ball, okay? Again, we talked about it before. If that ball hits the ground and rolls, on average, you will lose 17 yards. They're giving you the ball, catch the ball, come out of that possession with the ball. You didn't give up a fake. You didn't give up a 17-yard roll, okay? Catch the ball, fair catch it, that's fine. That's, that's That's a win in that situation, okay? So that is safe. Safe is your defense, but you've got a return man out there. So, gold is different, okay? I want to explain why gold is different. Gold, it is not safe, meaning it is not your defense, okay? So you have your punt return team out there. Again, maybe this is your defense. I always believe if you can keep your defense out there, you're in a better situation, all right? But there's other teams, that are gonna change a lot of guys, that's fine. So let's say you're a team that you change a lot of guys. So your punt return might have a running back, a tight end, those types of guys on it, or maybe some, some sub linebackers, okay? So you have put your punt return team out there because their punt team has come out there. But all of a sudden, they do something funky. All of a sudden, they start shifting guys. All of a, it, it is something you have never seen before, okay? One option is obviously call a timeout if you're in that position and if you wanna spend it on that, okay? Gold was another answer to that for us. Gold, I always sold it this way. If you have gold, you want it secure, right? So gold meant secure for us. I didn't call it safe because I didn't want it to get confusing, right? So gold was like secure. So basically what happened is we turned into, even though it was our punt return team, we ended up looking like a 4-4 defense because we felt like we could react to anything. Again, we're only in that situation because they came out in something really weird. It was their punt team, but they shifted to spread, or all of a sudden, uh, we've never seen it on film, and all of a sudden their shield punt, but three guys were moved out, Uh, just something funky. Gold was a situation where we felt safer. Yeah, we still had our punt return out there, but man, if, if, if you did something weird, we felt like we had a pretty good answer in being kind of a 4-4. Or whatever your base defense is, obviously that works too. If you're not a, not a 4 down, then, then get into a different type of a look, that's fine. Obviously as a punt return team, make sure that you're going over those teams' fakes. So basically what I do when I coordinate specials is I typically watch the last couple games uh, you know, it's like anything when you break down an opponent. Maybe you skip a game if it's an opponent that isn't going to give you a lot. Uh, but I typically go with the most couple most recent games. But I watch every single one of their punts just to make sure they don't fake it. And I watch every single one of their field goals or their extra points just to make sure that they don't fake it. So it could be week nine. I'm still going to watch their punts and their extra points from week one. Just to make sure that they're not a fake type team but find those fakes and get your guys geared up for them and always talk about hey this is what they've shown some teams will run the same exact fake again other teams will not run the same exact fake again but just let your guys know this is a team that has historically faked it a little bit we have to be prepared and again last thing here for punt return get those guys especially that returner doing some wet hand drills Extra point field goal team, right? This first one, I don't think gets practiced enough. I told you guys when I was at St. Ambrose, I just learned a lot. Okay, it was my first time uh, uh, being so organized, um, and it took me a while to get there. Well, it's not like I came in that organized. They just were a first-class program. Uh, Coach Madge did a great job there, and we were surrounded by great guys like Tom Anthony, Jeff Kirsch, and Matt Drinkle. One of the things we did is we had a Mayday field goal. That is your normal field goal unit. Everything is the same, but that means time is running out. You do not have uh, a timeout. So a lot of these guys are coming from the sideline. Some of them are gonna be on the field. Some of them are gonna be on the sideline and you have to get dudes off the field. You have to get dudes onto the field, line up, kick the ball uh, in whatever amount of time that you theoretically put on the clock, right? Maybe. Maybe you give them 18 seconds, 24 seconds, 12, whatever that ends up looking like for you, okay? But basically the call for that, it's just a normal field goal, right? But you're screaming, mayday, 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 and you're getting everybody running around and you're making sure that that it, it would end up being a legal kick, that you have enough guys on the field, not too many guys on the field, everybody's lined up on the ball, and that you get it kicked in the right amount of time. First time or two you do that, you should probably not do it against the defense, okay? Maybe the third time you do it, you do have it against the defense, but you're practicing that last second field goal is what that is. Our call for it was Mayday. Again, what happens if the ball gets partially blocked? Depends on what level you're at, right? Uh, if it is a extra point that gets partially blocked, we know the situation versus if it is a field goal. Or if you're college football, the extra point that gets partially blocked is different. So can't sit here and have all the answers for you. But I do know you need to work with your guys before a game. What happens if an extra point gets blocked? What happens if a field goal gets blocked? And I would treat them the same. Make the official, because we don't want our guys to think much, right? Oh, is this an extra point? I can do this. Oh, is this a field goal? I can do this, right? Go ahead and let the officials make that call. Um, but you would certainly want to cover what, what you want that to look like. My suggestion is they look the same. Again, get your extra point team doing some wet hand stuff. Get your snapper, get your holder doing wet hands. Get that field goal kicker kicking a waterlogged ball. Uh, what are your fakes going to be, Okay. Again, I've been a part of a program where we had one fake. I've been a part of a program where we had 10 and we never ran one of those 10. We wasted a lot of time on those. So figure out what your fakes are, make sure you get them ran in practice before you ever, uh, ever run them in a game. And man, I told you that this list grows. Last year this one almost got us, okay? You go out to kick a field goal. It does not cross the it does not cross the end zone and the other team can return. It doesn't cross the goal line. You have to practice that, okay? Typically, you're gonna kick what? At the high school level, something. You might expand to the 30 yard line, okay? Maybe maybe not even. Some coaches think that's crazy, right? Uh, but typically, you're gonna kick a shorter field goal that does cross the line, uh, does cross the goal line. So this, this point doesn't matter. But maybe near the end of the half, in that year, like us last year, at the end of the half, in a year where you've got a guy who's got a little leg to him. You're gonna attempt an extra long field goal. It falls short. You have to put your guys in a coverage situation before uh, before that game. Um, Who do you have on that field goal unit? You have big bodies, you have big linemen, offensive linemen that don't run very well, offensive linemen that don't make a lot of tackles. So you have to practice covering a short field goal in practice well before you ever do in a game, okay? Last year we learned that one the hard way. Luckily they didn't score. Uh, our, 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 quarter, our, our backup quarterback was our holder, hawked the guy down um, because everybody else, we just kicked the ball and everybody else just kind of stood around to see if it went in, went in or not. Uh, they, had a guy, they had a guy pick it up and run with it. Uh, luckily we got him tackled, but man, it was a close one. And that was on us as coaches. The fact That was not on our players because we had never practiced it before that. So I was not the special teams coordinator, but even as a defensive coach, I should have been bringing those things up. So it takes everybody to run effective specials, uh, as I've talked about in my other conversations. And lastly, special situations for your field goal block team. Again, how do you want them to react to blocked kicks, okay? Um, if it goes across the line or behind the line, things like that. Hi, rules are different in high school versus, versus college, so whatever works for you guys there. Covering a fire call, right? So again, I didn't have fire listed for my extra point team because that's actually something we practiced all the time. That was on my list up here to do daily, okay? Um, but what are you gonna do if the other team runs fire against you, right? Whether it's a good snap or whether they just come out and run it, uh, how are you gonna react to that? So make sure that the first time they have to cover a fire call, is not in a game, especially late, when, when two points makes a big difference. Uh, again, watch the other team. What fakes are they running? What have they ran that season? And if they're a fake type team, get your guys prepared for that well before that game. And lastly, man, swinging gate. If You're uh, obviously, if you're gonna face a team that runs swinging gate, I talked about this before, as a special teams coordinator, you need to work with your defensive coordinator on making sure that you are lining up to that sound Okay, that 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 he likes that answer. He's a part of that answer of how you're going to line up to that, but you have to remind him of that because that is not his top priority. His top priority is stopping them on downs, you know, down zero, one, two, three, fourth down, all that type of stuff. Uh, he's not really worried about their special teams as much as you are, are the coordinator. So yeah, you're going to bring it up on Saturday. Hey, they're they're a swing gate type team. What do you want to do? He's probably not going to sit there and talk about it a lot. So on Monday. You still got a few more days before you're going to practice it. On Monday, make sure you guys are on the same page for how you're going to uh, cover that swinging gate. Get it done in practice. So I put a note here at the bottom, coaches. There are other things that are that are not listed here. For example, a free kick situation, uh, and, and and there's several others as well. Um, if if you have one that is just totally insane that I don't have on the list, please please send me an email and let me know, and I want to get it on my list. But these are the situations I felt like we had to be prepared for. I don't know how many times we were ever going to do a free kick right in a game, so I don't know that we really needed to spend a lot of time on it. These things here listed at the bottom are things I wanted to make sure we got to before game one. Maybe maybe we got to them a couple times before game one, depending on what it was. These things up here at the top, these were our everyday calls anyways. I just like to have those on there. but remember, and stats have proved. If you if you looked at my earlier presentation about shield punt, we had a year in 2019, and the stat I had heard before is one out of every five. We talk about special teams as being a third of the a third of the game, but it doesn't take up a third of the snaps, right? The stat that I had heard is that one out of every five downs is a kicking down, 20 percent, right? Uh, I I ran the numbers for 2019 when I was our special teams coordinator at Lincoln Way. And the true number was 16. So we're saying 16 to 20% of downs are actual kicking downs. Okay. So you need to figure out, hey, what is really important in those times? So yeah, you got free kick. That is a special team situation, but are you ever gonna use it? Because you're probably only putting about 20% of your practice time into special teams. So do you really wanna put them into situations that might not ever come up? I'm here to tell you I think these situations listed on the bottom are situations that will come up that I do think you need to be prepared for. Uh, Again, coaches, if you have questions over any of these that you'd like to go into more detail about, I would love to talk to you about those. If you have something that you think I'm totally missing the boat on, like, Coach, why don't you have this situation on here? Uh, please reach out to me. Let's let's talk about it. Again, I want to thank uh, thank Coach Allball with Chief Pigskin for having me. This has been awesome. Uh, even though I'm currently a defensive coordinator, uh, it, it, it's fun to think about my times on specials. You know, I've coached at some bigger schools, coached at schools with 350 students or less. To where I think being on specials is awesome, just because you get to work with everybody. It's it, it's working with the O, it's working with the D, it's working with the coaches on both sides of the ball. And again, as I've talked about, it, it's your job to coordinate those events and get everybody on the same page. So super, uh, super important for me to come here and talk about these things because I'm very passionate about them. Hopefully uh, you veteran guys maybe picked up one or two small things. Uh, and hopefully there's a young guy out there like me uh, when I was starting out that picked up some, some uh, a lot of material uh, in order to make himself a better coach. So again, thank you coaches for watching. Uh, if you are able to watch all three, man, I really appreciate that. And then again, thanks Coach Alba Chief Picks again for having me. Thanks coaches.